Welcome to the Sunday Morning Meeting Podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Claire Daniels. Thank you, Jesus. Do take a seat. We're just going to flow, but don't just stay exactly where we are. We're just going to flow straight in from there. Um, I just want to say this because I just know the Holy Spirit is wanting to do something this morning. I was going to share something else, but I'm not going to do that now because I just want to flow straight into this. Um, I wasn't originally going to be speaking this morning, but I am, and this is the message that's been burning on my heart. John had exactly the same scriptures as me this morning. The time we had praying down there was just a time of completely encountering the face of God. The prophetic word that Brian brought, Behold the Lamb, that's what I want to do this morning. I want to talk about Jesus. The songs that John brought this morning are speaking exactly what God's given me this morning. So I want this morning to be an encounter with him. I've got a lot of information here, but I don't want to impart information. Information isn't important. Encountering Jesus really is. And I don't know about you, but I feel like the last year or so has been such a journey into... I've been a journey into the heart of God, a journey into knowing him better, a journey into finding out who he truly is for me, who he truly is for each one of us. And at the beginning of the year, God spoke to me and said, I want you to stay in Philippians 3 for the whole of the next year. I don't stay in anything for very long. I go from here to here. I move fast and I don't stay in the same thing. So it's been a real challenge, but the, I've dug deep into it and the core message of Philippians 3 is to know him to know Christ and in that passage there's two words for know there's the word know that means understand and there's the word sort of head knowledge and there's the word know that means intimate knowledge of Jesus both are important and to know Jesus is all that matters and I want to go to Revelation 1 this morning so if you have a Bible, you can turn there, but we're gonna ha- we will have it up on the screen as well. Beautiful passage. One, become one of my favourites. This, this scripture has become in recent months. And this is where we see Jesus. I'm not going to have time to unpack it, but this is where we see Jesus in his ascended glory. This is where we see him as he is now, as he is standing in heaven. And at at first glance, it can seem quite overpowering, but I want to take us into it and see just how just amazing uh, Jesus is in here. So, Revelation 1, we're going to start at verse 9. I, John... Your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white as wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, And coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, 
I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now, look, I am alive forever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. We're not going to go into the lampstands and the angels and the churches today. I want to just focus on who Jesus is and how he's being revealed for us here. Um, Something that God started speaking to me about uh, a few months ago now, probably a couple of months ago, uh, was the Holy Spirit started challenging me and said, how much do you love Jesus? Does your life actually, does your conversation actually demonstrate that you really love Jesus? And usually when God asks a question like that, the answer isn't just going to be, yeah, because <laughs> he usually has a, a reason. He usually asks us questions quite nicely um, and hope that we start to come to the revelation. And, and he brought me back to Ephesians 2 verse 4, where Jesus is speaking to the church in Ephesus and he says, and the church in Ephesus was an amazing church. It was a solid church. It was the shining beacon church, really, of the Gentile churches. And they were doing some great things. And he said, yes, I hold this against you. You've forsaken your first love. And in that, I saw something so glaringly obvious that I don't know, maybe I hadn't really seen before. But that first love we have for Jesus is not an immature love. That first love when we are totally passionate enough with Jesus and we can't talk about anything else and that's all that matters. That is not an immature love. That's not a love that we need to mature on from. It's not a love that we need to grow up from. And the church, not our church, but the church sometimes has said said to people like that, oh, it's just the honeymoon period. They'll soon move on. But Jesus is saying, I hold this against you. You've forsaken your first love. You've lost it. Maturity in the kingdom is so different to maturity in the world. And maturity is actually having that passionate love for Jesus that we can't talk about anything else, that it consumes us, that it is everything that really matters to us. That's maturity in the kingdom. Because Jesus is saying here to an amazing church, don't lose it. Don't lose that first love. Don't lose what you've seen of me. Don't lose that passion that you have for me. And if we haven't... Let's keep going. If anything in our spirit says, oh, I need to regain that, just say to Jesus right now, I want to regain that first love. I don't want to feel like I've grown up beyond that. We we never grow up beyond that. You know, when we get to heaven, we're going to suddenly become like children again. So we may as well start practicing now. (laughs) She says. So... Revelation 1, a little bit of background here for those that aren't familiar with the story. So John the Apostle, who walked with Jesus through his earthly life, is writing this this revelation that he's seen. He's been exiled to the island of Patmos, which was a sort of Roman penal colony where they sent people to die, really. Uh, He's the only one of the apostles that died a natural death. And it's here, he's in isolation, he's on his own, and he receives this amazing revelation from Jesus. Now, remember that Jesus was, John, was probably Jesus' best friend, or at least he thought he was Jesus' best friend. Um, He's the one that said, I'm the one that Jesus 
I'm the one that Jesus loves. I know who I am. I'm the one that Jesus loves. He knew that he was favoured by God. And you see, Peter's out going, do, do, do. I want to do things for God. I want to step out on the water. I want to do. John's not really doing that. John's sitting next to Jesus, laying his head on his chest and just loving him and adoring him. That's how John, John knew Jesus as well as anybody could know God as man. Uh, He was the one of his closest friends and yet we see here in verse 17 he sees Jesus and he falls down as though dead so familiar to him and yet in his glory he falls down because it is so awesome it is so amazing and in 1 John 3 verse 2 Hannah can just put that one up because I haven't got it down here did I give it to you it says no. In 1 John 3 verse 2, it says that when we rise, we will be like him. We will be like him. Okay, so we've got Jesus here in his glory, fall down dead. Do you know, when we are in, yeah, we, we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. You know, when we have got our glorified bodies, anyone on earth would probably fall down in amazement at the glory of it. Our, our heavenly bodies are going to be like Jesus. How awesome is that? And we're going to be like him. We're going to reflect him so powerfully. So let's have a look from verse 13. Someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and a golden sash. They just sound words to start with, don't they? Someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and a golden sash. Something really important here. Jesus is a man. Jesus is still a man. He is still fully man and fully God. He didn't lose his humanity when he ascended to glory. He is fully God, but he is still fully man. And it is a man that is sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. It is a man that can relate to us the the robe that's down to his feet that was a high priest robe when he appears in his glory he's not appearing in armor as a king or as a warrior he's not he's not in a robe that is a king's robe he's in a robe of the high priest the one that can identify fully with us the one in his ascended glory magnificent jesus he is dressed in a way that he can still relate to us he's showing I'm your high priest. I fully identify with everything you go through. Yes, you might see me in my glory, but I am completely connected to you. I know your weaknesses. I know your struggles. I know the days you don't think you've got any faith. I'm fully identified with you. I'm fully connected to you. And his sash, the golden sash, that's... It's right across him. It's, the cl- it's close. It's a sign of his compassion for us as well as his uh, sovereignty and his deity. The high priest was one that stood between man and God. That's what they did in the, uh, in the temple. And they offered sacrifices. And basically that was their, their prayers going up to God. And because man needed somebody to intercede before God. Now he is at the high priest. He is sitting at the the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. Romans 8.34 tells us that he's interceding for us. Isn't that amazing? He appears as as a man. He's there, he's interceding for you every minute, all the time. He's interceding for you. Which kind of makes me think, sometimes when we pray, maybe a good thing to ask God is, Jesus, what are you praying? 
because the prayer that Jesus is praying would be a really good one to get on the back of and pray as well because do you think any prayer that Jesus prays would not be answered? Every prayer that he prays, every prayer that he's interceding to the Father for us is going to be answered, isn't it? Jesus, what are you praying for this person? I love this person. What are you interceding for them at the right hand of the Father? Because I want to pray the same prayer that you're praying. I want to pray, I want to be led by the Spirit. I want to join in with the the prayer of heaven. I don't want to pray what's on my heart. I want to pray what is on the heart of Jesus and what's the heart of the Holy Spirit. So it's a good good prayer to pray. The hair on his head was white like wool, white as snow. This is wonderful. I love this. In um, Daniel 7, I haven't got this on the screen, I'll just read it for you. In Daniel 7, uh, we see a revelation of, this is, Daniel had a dream and this is a revelation, kind of sort of the end times. And he says, as I looked, if you're a visual person, just close your eyes and listen to this cause, and try and visualize it because it's just an amazing, amazing uh, revelation of the Father. This is talk about the Father, not Jesus. As I looked, thrones were set in place and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire and its wheels were all ablaze. The river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. One of those thousands upon thousands is going to be you. You're going to stand before a throne flaming with fire. And this isn't a scary thing. We'll look at fire in a minute. It's not a scary thing. His throne is flaming with fire. Wheels, his throne's got wheels on it. We're all ablaze. And there's a river of fire flowing from the throne of God. And that's what we're going to stand before. That throne, that is your destiny. That's where you're going to be. You're going to stand before the Ancient of Days, the Father, in all his glory. And the hair of his head was white as as wool. And here, what, what John's saying, what Jesus is revealing here, and part of this isn't so much a revelation that we need in our, our time, but he's saying, I and the Father are one. Yeah, the Father has hair as white as wool. Jesus is revealed with hair as white as wool. The Father and I are one. We are the same. And in the early church, they were still developing the theology that Jesus was fully God. We struggle more with him being man. They struggled more with him being God. And so in here, they are saying... I am fully God and fully man. I am with the Father. I am one with the Father. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, you know, for those that maybe struggle with Jesus, with God as Father, you know, they are one. All you've got to do is get to know Jesus. And as you get to know Jesus, you get to know the Father because they are the same. Jesus revealed the Father. Everything that you see in Jesus, you see in the Father. You can't put any attributes onto the Father that aren't already in Jesus. So if you see something as God as Father that you don't see in Jesus, you've got that wrong. Because they are, they have the same attributes. And the Father is, and it's a great place to start. Because if you struggle with that, as you get that revelation of Jesus, you go, oh, okay, I can, that's who you are to me as Father. 
They have different roles. They express things differently to us, but it's a great place to start. They are, they are one, and they have the same attributes. Of course, his white hair also speaks of his wisdom. Aren't we glad that we've got a, a saviour who is so wise, who is completely full of wisdom, that has got a plan for your life, and he's thought it out from the beginning of time. He's not thrown off course by things that you do or don't do. He's, he's got a plan for this church that he's had from the beginning of time. He's not thrown off course. He knows what it is. And he has set it in motion in his wisdom, absolute wisdom. And I'm so grateful that we have a God that is completely wise. If you lack wisdom, who do we ask? Jesus, you are the one that is, is wisdom. You are wisdom. And he's revealed here as the one that is completely wise. And is the one that is revealed as completely pure. His white hair reveals his purity. Every thought he has about you is completely pure. Every word he speaks over your life is completely pure. Everything he does in your life is completely pure. Isn't that amazing? There's, no, there's, there's nothing negative in God's heart towards you. There's nothing negative that he thinks about you. There is not a negative thought in the heart of Jesus. Not one. He doesn't have a negative thought about you. So when you have a negative thought about you, then... It's not Jesus. It was quite a revelation to me last year that Jesus doesn't think how I do. Yeah, why people always find that funny, I don't know. But um, it, was a, it was such a big revelation that he doesn't think, God doesn't think like me. It's quite a relief for most people um, and for me. But, I do, but sometimes we do. We think that what we think is what God must think. What we think about ourselves must be what he's thinking and what other people are thinking. But it's not. So... Jesus' thoughts are completely pure uh, towards you. And we're going to be like him. That's, we're going to become like him. We are going to become as pure as he is. That absolute purity. Isn't that wonderful? There is going to be a day when we stand before him and we are 100% totally pure before him. But, you know, we can live like that now. And part of our journey is walking towards that place of purity in our lives and living like him. He reveals himself as the one that is pure so that we can step into the purity that he has for us. And he wants us to live in that place of purity that he does. Because who's he coming for? He's coming for a bride. He's coming for a pure and spotless bride. And the bride is told to make herself ready. So if we want to make ourselves ready, if we want Jesus to come back, then making our, getting ourselves pure, stepping into the purity that he's bought for us on the cross and living in that is a, a really great place to be going. His eyes were like blazing fire. Not sure how much further than this we'll get. This is my favourite. I can't remember how many times in Revelation Jesus' eyes are referred to as blazing fire. It's a few, it's the one that's repeated the most. So therefore, we, we take this one and, and take it seriously because it's, it's revealed so many times. Jesus' eyes of blazing fire. So just to be clear, it doesn't mean that John looked at Jesus and saw fire coming out of his eyes. He didn't see literal fire. And you know, this is just language. We only have words. And John is trying to find the best words that he has in order to uh, 
communicate what he's seen. Um, when we see Jesus, we're going to see something way beyond uh, what we can put into language, what we can put into words. This was the best uh, that could come up with. Uh, and it just reveals what John saw in his eyes. And I remember last year, Maundy Thursday, was such a watershed moment for me. I don't know if those of you that were here, you might remember Pastor Paul took us in a kind of imagination, visualization of the Last Supper and encouraged us to see Jesus looking at us and things like that. And it completely, totally undid me. I was completely just, I was a bit of a mess after that because for the first time, I saw Jesus' eyes, I saw Jesus looking at me without disappointment and also without that kind of, I think I'd always seen his eyes as looking at me kind of, yeah, I see, I see all the things you've done wrong, I see, see the mess, but I love you anyway. And I, thought, I suddenly saw him and I was like, he doesn't think that, he's not looking at the mess, he's not, it's not a I love you despite, it's not a... Yeah, I can see it all, but, you know, because I'm a benevolent God, I love you anyway. That's not it. There was a passion, there was a joy, there was a, I love you as you are in this moment, how you are in this moment. And that is how he looks at us today. That's how he looks at you today. And if you've never seen the eyes of Jesus looking at you with that passion and with that fire of love that says, I love you exactly as you are this moment, that ask him to show you, because he wants to show you. And uh, in, in Song of Songs 8 verse 6, in the NIV, it says, Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death, it's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Wow, that's the love that Jesus has. But in the Passion Translation, Hannah, could you pop that one up? Fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forevermore. Fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forevermore. I love that. This living, consuming flame will seal you as my prisoner of love. My passion is stronger than the chains of death and the grave, all-consuming as the very flashes of fire from the burning heart of God. Place this fierce, unrelenting fire over your entire being. Wow, from the burning heart of God. When you look in someone's eyes, you can see something of their heart. And that's why Jesus' eyes are burning like fire. Because his heart is burning with fire for you. With a zeal, with a passion for you that you cannot possibly comprehend. If we could comprehend it, I think we would just be flashing our faces and not able to do anything um, or we would be so consumed because it is so passionate it is so unquenchable it's a fire that's unquenchable fires get put out but this fire does not get put out this fire will never be put out it's completely un- unbridled utterly consuming fire for you but it's also a fire of zeal that we would be purified it's a fire, you know, fire breaks through metal, fire will get through your best defences. 
if you will look at Jesus. Because he wants, and the reason that he wants to purify us, the reason that he wants to burn up the things in our lives that are negative, is because he wants to get rid of all that will hinder love. That's what it is. It isn't because he's out to try and make you a better person. Jesus isn't interested in making you a better person. He has done it all at the cross. That, that's done. You are made perfect in him. But when he comes with his fire to purify us, it's because he wants us to be those that love him completely. There's nothing, there's no barriers, there's nothing in the way of our love for him and of receiving love from him and of loving one another. So when you feel like he's putting his finger on your life and it feels like it's fire, it's because he wants to remove something that's stopping you receiving his love. He wants to remove something that's stopping you uh, loving him to the best that we can. He wants to remove something that's stopping us loving one another. And Proverbs 15, 3, kind of a scary verse, but it's a good verse. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. He takes note of everything that happens. He watches over his lovers and he also sees the wickedness of the wicked. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. And that's reassuring because he sees everything. And if he sees everything, then everything matters. So every little act of kindness that you have done, he sees it. You might have forgotten it the moment that you've done it, but he sees it and he remembers it. You, when you get to heaven, you're standing before him and you're getting rewards. You're going to go, really? I don't remember doing that. I don't remember that. He remembers everything. Just because you've forgotten it, it doesn't mean that he's forgotten it. He sees Everything. His eyes are everywhere. He watches the ones that he loves. And he takes note of every little thing that you do. How amazing is that? The things that no one else notices. He sees. He's watching. It's also a bit sobering. Because sometimes I think, well, I don't know. I might be the only one. But sometimes I can be a bit like a toddler. Kind of, you can't see me, Jesus. You can't see me, Jesus. I can't see you. I'm not looking. So you can't see me. You didn't see what just happened. You didn't see what I just thought. You didn't see what I just said. Because I'm not looking. I'm not looking at you, so you can't see me. And I think sometimes we forget that he does see everything. And that's a sobering thing. It's a thing, but it's a thing that can motivate us to... Jesus, I love you. I know that you're watching me. I know you're watching everything, so I don't want to do this. I want to repent quickly. I want to come right back into your presence quickly because I know you do see everything. Let's not be those that just pretend that, because we've got our eyes closed, that he can't see us too. But when he looks at us like that, it's with eyes of passionate love and zeal for us. It's not eyes that are with any condemnation or accusation or, come on, get it right, you're doing that again. That's how I usually talk to myself, but that's not how Jesus talks to me, so I should stop talking to myself like that. Right, I'm going to try and do some of this next one um, before we need to finish. So his feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. So we can look at this on a very surface level, and we can look at this at a bit of a deeper level. So feet, feet walk feet move. Brass in the scripture is most commonly associated with judgment. Okay, so Jesus is presented here as one that is judging. Now that might be a bit, oh, but we're not being judged. And that's right, we're not being judged. But hang in there with me. We are going somewhere with this. So 
We, to start with, we see a very simple interpretation of this. Jesus walked on the earth through everything that we could possibly face. He faced on the cross complete judgment, died for us, and came out the other side. And he was refined. You know, he's, when he was resurrected, he'd come through the furnace and he was refined. He'd been judged for sin. And that's something that we can rejoice in, isn't it? That's an amazing, wonderful uh, thing that we celebrate. The price for sin is paid and complete, and we will never be judged uh, in that way. But what's Jesus, you know, we've talked about what's Jesus' endgame? It's a wedding. It's a wedding feast. The end of all this is a wedding. The end of this is having... Um, having a bride, a pure and spotless bride that is like him and to, together to, for eternity to be together. And that's what he's longing to do. And so like his eyes of fire, he is longing to remove everything that hinders us from receiving and giving love. Um, and he, he wants us to be those that will come and will submit ourselves to him. That's, his, that's the ideal. We come and say, Jesus, you do uh, but there are times in our lives where he loves us so much that he comes and he says, well, I'm going to bring a word of correction now to your life. I'm going to come and I'm going to step in with those brass feet because I love you so much and I don't want you to go down this path. I want you to come down the path that I've got for you. But we see this. There's no condemnation in this, but it's an amazing word. This word for brass that's used in the original here, it's... So it's a, com- it's a compound Greek word. I won't say the Greek words because I'm not as good as Pastor Paul at pronouncing them, so it just won't work. But it's an alloy. So it's an alloy of copper mixed with brass or bronze, and it's mi- the word is joined with the word for frankincense, which is really odd because there's no such alloy of brass and frankincense. It doesn't exist. So I think it might be in one other place, but it might be the only place that it's used. Frankincense was was used in the it's used in temples. It represents prayer. It represents incense going up to to God. Um, Psalm 141. Hannah goes. Yes, she's going to bring it up. Yes, yes, yes. Psalm 141. Hannah, can you? Because I haven't got it written down. Thank you. Uh, may my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. It's about incense, is about prayers rising up. And Revelation 5, verse 8 says, <laughs> Revelation 5, verse 8. Uh, each one had a harp, they were holding golden bowls full of incense. There is still that incense in heaven. It's not something that passed away uh, under the old covenant, it's still there, which are the prayers of God's people. When we pray, it is like incense. God sees it as incense rising to heaven, a beautiful incense, a beautiful aroma. And so Jesus is saying here, he's coming to speak to these seven churches, and he's going to come with a word of correction, six out of seven of them. But he's coming with prayer because he doesn't want to have to come and bring correction he wants us to submit ourselves but he's coming it's bathed in prayer his judgment is bathed in prayer his correction is bathed in prayer it's bathed in that just that high priestliness of i love you so much and i am coming to bring life to you uh, and I, I love that i just think that it makes the judgment of god so beautiful 
it makes it something that is something that we can submit to and say, thank you, Jesus, for your correction in my life. Thank you, Jesus, that you want to purify me. Thank you, Jesus, that you want to bring something beautiful out of my life, whatever's going on in our lives. But, you know, the key is we see Jesus. We look at him and ask him to reveal himself to you. There are so many passages of scripture that describe who Jesus is. If we start to look at them, we start to dig into them, we start to pray them back to God, which, which is how we activate it. You know, I can, I can say all this stuff and we can think, yeah, that's who Jesus is. That's amazing. But we need to do something with it. Yeah, when we've got a word, we've got to do something with it. And how we activate this in our lives is we pray it back to God. We declare it back to God. We speak to each other about it. We say, thank you, Jesus, that your eyes are blazing like fire for me. Thank you, Jesus, that your eyes of zeal come and purify my life. Thank you that your eyes are full of love for me. Thank you that your feet come to cleanse me and to purify me. Thank you that you are my high priest that just adores me and loves me and intercedes for me. Just pray it back to Jesus because that's how he will it will then become into us and part of us now I don't know if you're like me sometimes you kind of run out of words to say holy holy worthy glorious majestic and you sort of you run out and I don't know do you find you use the same words over and over again the way we're just going to finish I'm just we're going to just play a video which some of you many of you will have seen before uh, some of you remember we used it Easter many years ago. Uh, but it just reminds us and gives us loads of words of who Jesus is. And it's just a wonderful reminder. Uh, just we play it, respond just as you feel is appropriate to respond. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you, Jesus. He is a king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He God and he guides, he heals the sick, he cleans the lepers, he forgives sinners, he discharges debtors, he delivers the captives, he defends the feeble, he blesses the young, he serves the unfortunate, he regards the age, he rewards
Lord, the diligent, and he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is lighter. I wish I could describe him, but yet he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You see, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Silence couldn't find any fault in him. Terror couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.